0: I'll invite you to go to the back. But before you do, I'm wondering, uh, what does it feel like for you to wait? Do you like to wait for things? No. No? No. no. Uh, how about you all? Do you, do you like to wait for things? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it depends. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, for most of us, if we want something, we want it, right? We, we don't like waiting. And this morning, we're gonna look at a story, uh, and it's about Zechariah and Elizabeth. This couple who are married and they've been waiting for something for a very, very long time.
1: Called Waiting for Jesus to be Born.
0: Waiting for Jesus to be born, but you know what they were waiting for? A child. They were waiting for their own baby. Uh, They were hoping to have a baby. Um, So I want to read something. I'm going to light an Advent candle and pray for our preparation for the Christ child, that we will look outward in love and look forward in hope. Living Christ, light of the world, give us the warmth of your love. Living God, come to our world. When your face feels hidden, help us to trust your promises and wait in hope. We light our first candle as a prayer for our suffering world, that God, who is often hidden, may re- be revealed to us and to all. We light this light as a symbol of our hope in Christ. You want to blow it out? There you go. All right, And then uh, if I can have uh, that first slide, the first two slides, we're going to pray this prayer together. O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom the lost places, the barren places, the broken places, the hurt spaces within us. Meet us in our places of exile. Meet us in our places of depression and despair. Come to us in our grief. Speak to our deepest longings and give us a word of hope. Amen. And uh, Zoya, will you come forward? Uh, Zoya's gonna read for me this morning. Please welcome Zoya. Hey, Zoya. So, Zoya is uh, our firstborn child in the Crick household. And uh, I didn't have a reader for this week, so I asked Zoya if she would read. For me, if you're not aware, I'm uh, I'm teaching at a church in Nevada called the Quest, and then I drive straight here uh, to teach here. And so Zoya was all in for reading at Bay Marin, but not so up for getting up early uh, to read at the Quest. But Labra, love, she sacrificed. She did it. So. We are going to uh, explore this story. Now, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 1. And uh, Luke's Gospel, like the other three Gospels, are written to tell us the story of Jesus' life, uh, why Jesus came in our midst, this beautiful life. Jesus lived his death on the cross for our sake and the sake of the world and and the power of his resurrection. Uh, And so Luke wants to tell us this story about Jesus. Uh, But it's like a, it's a lead-in he gives us because he doesn't even mention Jesus for the first 30 verses. And we're going to look at this story that comes leading up to the story of Jesus. It's the story of Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah. And we're gonna jump in in verse five.
1: In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there is a priest named Zechariah who is, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron.
0: Okay, so Luke's giving us a little background on Elizabeth and Zechariah. Uh, They both come from a priestly line. And so Zechariah is of the division of Abijah. So there were 70 priests in Jerusalem that served in Jerusalem, but then there were other priests that were scattered all throughout the Judean country uh, in different villages and towns and cities. And so Zechariah is one of those priests and he'll go to Jerusalem twice a year for uh, his time to serve there and for major holidays and feasts. But the rest of the time, he's not in Jerusalem. His division is, as Luke says, the division of Abijah. Uh, Now, Elizabeth is a descendant of Aaron. And Aaron was the first priest ever in the history of Israel. And so this is a rich priestly family. And Zechariah is a priest. Do you know why he's a priest? Because his father was a priest. And his grandfather was a priest. And his great-grandfather was a priest. And his great-great-grandfather was a priest. So uh, in in this culture, as a son, you do what your father did. And if you're born into a priestly family, you become a priest. So Zechariah, you're a priest, whether you like it or not, pal. uh, You become a priest. And this is what Zechariah is. He's a priest.
1: Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly.
0: Okay. Some words to pay attention to here about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were righteous. Uh, This means they lived right lives before God. Uh, They were in right relationship with God, with others, with themselves, with the planet God entrusted us with. They lived well in all the relationships and these relationships flourished in their lives, Uh, says they observed all the decrees. They they were observant Jews. They faithfully practiced Sabbath. They faithfully obeyed the other commands. They they were faithful to these historic Jewish laws that God had given to the people. And then the text says that they were blameless. Now, uh, I don't think that this means that uh, they never did anything wrong. Uh, I don't think it means that they uh, never said something that they maybe didn't necessarily mean or that they uh, never did something that they later regretted. It, it simply means that their lives were oriented towards God. And when they acted, when they spoke, their desire, their heart was to do the Lord's will, to live as God invited them to live. They were faithful people uh, who are Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're good people. You know these kind of people, right? Uh, you, you think of someone and you say, those are good people. Good people, I, 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 don't know. I think of Larry and Susanna Beck and I say, those are good people, they're good people.
1: I agree. Uh, hey,
0: Barry agrees, so amen. Uh, sorry, I just called you out, I don't
1: know. Uh, Let's continue. But they were childless because okay. Elizabeth...
0: Does this, does this bother you? They're good people, but they're childless. Uh, they weren't able to have children. Now, in our day and age, we understand uh, the biology and the science behind infertility. We understand the many problems that can come with uh, desiring and longing and attempting to have children and that not happening. Uh, In the first century, they didn't understand that. In the first century, uh, there was a sense of shame that you lived with if you did not have children. Uh, There was this sense of you, you must have done something that has offended God. And what has Luke just told us? Man, these people are good people. They're righteous. They're blameless, they're observant. Uh, Does this bother you? I wonder if it bothered them. Uh, I wanna invite us to just imagine ourselves in this story. Imagine yourself as Elizabeth or as Zechariah. What what are you feeling? What are you thinking? Uh, What are you experiencing? Uh, I'm sure they had a whole wave of emotions. In their culture, they they were probably married as teenagers, and you would start having children right away, and their childhood friends are having children, and they're not. And they're into their 20s, and then 30s, and then 40s, and still no children. I I wonder uh, what wave of emotions they are experiencing and feeling. The text tells us now that they are very old. We don't know how old. but that they're old, they're, they're past childbearing years. Uh, have you ever longed for something so deeply? Have you ever waited for something for so long? Maybe right now you're waiting for something. You're longing for a relationship to be restored. You're longing and desiring and waiting for God to show up in some capacity. Uh, maybe you're just simply waiting for God to show up, and you feel like God is absent in your life right now. I I wonder if Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah felt this way. Uh, My wife and I know this longing. We we waited for this one for nine years. Nine years, and then you came. Here you are, right here. Uh, Some people long and wait and, and never experience uh the coming of what they're longing or waiting for i i wonder how elizabeth is feeling after all these years i I wonder how zechariah must
1: feel elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old once when zechariah's division was on duty he was serving as a priest before god He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Okay,
0: uh, if I can have the next slide. So this is an artist's rendition of the temple. And so uh, imagine all these people outside the temple. And they are worshiping God. And uh, Zechariah is chosen by lot. This was a huge honor to get to go into the temple, to be the priest, to go into the temple and to light the incense, uh, to go in on behalf of all the people who are praying and worshiping outside. Now, I, w- I want to draw your attention to that fortress with four towers to the right of the temple. This was built by Herod who also completed the construction of the second temple. Uh, this fortress is a Roman fortress. And uh, the people of Israel are under Roman rule. They are, they are oppressed by the Romans. They are occupied by the Romans. And what they are praying for and what they have been praying for for so long is this long-awaited one. Uh, talk about longing and waiting desiring something new Uh, they they are longing and waiting for this one that the hebrew prophets have been talking about for generations and generations the one who will come and free them the one who will come and liberate them the one who will come and show them the way of the lord they have been longing and waiting for this and part of their expectation of this one who will come is that he will free them from the roman oppression and This uh, fortress was intentionally built slightly higher than the temple, just to remind them of who's in charge. And as they're worshiping at the temple, as they're worshiping their God, there are Roman soldiers in these towers looking down on them to make sure there's not a revolt, to make sure there's no beginnings of a revolution, to keep them in line you can go ahead and keep worshiping your God as long as you don't revolt. And so these people are longing for something new. They're longing for the Messiah to come in their midst while Zechariah's in burning incense to the Lord.
1: Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar.
0: Like they do, you know, angels. They just show up
1: of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard.
0: Okay. Uh, just side note. We've talked about this many times before. The command that is given more times than any other in Scripture is this one right here, what the angel just said to Zechariah. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Uh, Or as Jesus puts it, do not worry about tomorrow. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. Doesn't your father in heaven care for them? How much more will he care for you? The, The simple invitation over and over and over again in the scriptures is to let go of fear and to embrace trust, to trust God, that there is a source to all life, who created us in love, who holds us in love, who's restoring us in love, and invites us to release the fear, release the anxiety, release the worry, and walk in the way of love and trust. This creator of the universe simply invites us to trust him. And that there is nothing to fear. That there is a way of life that can be free from anxiety, free from worry, and free from fear, and a way of life that embraces trust and the way of love.
1: Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth.
0: I mean, what parent doesn't want to hear this? An angel telling you the child you're going to have... You're going to, everyone will rejoice and delight in that person, like we do in you, of course. Uh, And and you children back there. Uh, This is uh, amazing.
1: For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or any other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord."
0: Okay. This is a lot. Uh, this is amazing. This angel is telling Zechariah, listen, your, your son is going to be one who speaks for God. Your son is going to be one who calls people back to God. Your son is going to be one who prepares people for the way of the Lord. You, uh, you know of John the Baptist? That, that's this John. Uh, th- that's this John that the angel is speaking of to Zechariah. And uh, this John, who he he ends up, uh, when he becomes an adult, he goes out to the desert and he is wearing strange clothes and he's eating locusts and wild honey. I mean, this guy is totally off script. What what was Zechariah? What was his occupation? Priest. Priest. What what was his father's occupation? What was his grandfather's occupation? Yeah. Uh, What's John going to be? A prophet. He's going to break off. And I think part of what this angel is saying to Zechariah is, uh, I want you to be okay with this. Your son's not going to be a priest. He's going to be a prophet. And he's going to prepare people for the way of the Lord. He's going to prepare people for the one who is coming, who will lead people back to God. And your son, John, is going to be a part of that movement of bringing people back to God, showing people the way they are intended to live. That's what your son's going to be. And of course, Zechariah just took this all in stride. Zechariah asked the an angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is 12 Okay. Uh, so he, he says, how, what? How can I be sure of this? Uh, I mean, look at me. I'm an old man. Have you seen my wife? Uh, She's well along in years. Uh, And and so he's just shocked. Uh, I don't know. How many of you have had an angel appear to you and and told you that your wife uh, is going to give birth to a son well after childbearing years? Uh, Zechariah is just in, in this moment of shock experiencing this angel and what this angel has just told him that seems... Completely improbable.
1: The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time.
0: Okay. Uh, I just, I mean, I imagine Gabriel, like, hand on the hip finger wagging. Like, I'm Gabriel, pal. I stand in the presence of the Lord. Uh, who do you think you are? Uh, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. It's called Lockjaw. <laughs> You're not going to speak for the next nine
1: months. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he stayed in the temple so long. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision, For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak.
0: Okay, so now they're just playing charades. So, the the, people are wondering what takes so long. He finally comes out, and he's trying to make signs to them, like, uh, angel, barren wife pregnant. uh.
1: When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion.
0: Okay. Uh, Okay. this is interesting to me. For five months, she remained in seclusion. Why? Uh, if you want to conceal a pregnancy, you, you wait till later in the pregnancy, unless maybe you're dealing with severe morning sickness. These are the early months of the pregnancy, and she stays in seclusion. I, I don't think she's trying to hide the pregnancy. Uh, I think something significant is going on inside Elizabeth. And I think the next verse gives us some hints as to what that is.
1: For the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people.
0: Okay. The Lord has done this for me, and he has taken away. My disgrace among the people. Uh, Remember what we talked about—that in the first century, if you don't have children, there's kind of this sense: well, you must have done something; you must have offended God in some way. And, And Elizabeth is saying, "God has taken that disgrace, that that felt shame, has taken that away from me." And I wonder if, for Elizabeth, this was a five month long prayer. Uh, Zechariah was silent for nine months. It seems Elizabeth joined him for five of those months. And I, I wonder this, human speechlessness helps us hear God especially when God is waking us up to something beyond the scope of our expectations or past experiences. I wonder for many of us what we're waiting for, what we're longing for. I wonder if God is inviting us to a space of silence and solitude and listening. Uh, Because God sometimes speaks into the silence in such unexpected and surprising ways. Uh, Are we open? to the unexpected and the surprising. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth thought, there's no way we can have children now. Uh, And Zechariah's expectation, if we do, and it's a son, he'll be a priest. They needed to be open to what God was doing. And they are. They're open to the unexpected. Uh, later, when John is born, uh, the, the people around are like, what, what's his name? And, and Elizabeth says, his name is John. And they're like, what, John? Shouldn't it be Zechariah? Uh, and and Zechariah writes on a little chalkboard, his name is John, and shows it to him. They're like, "What? his name is John. And then his mouth is open, and he can talk again. Uh, nine months of silence. I wonder what that did for Zechariah. I wonder what can happen in the silence when we wait on God for a word of hope, for something new and surprising and unexpected. Uh, I wonder how many of us here this morning need a fresh word of hope, need to know God is present, God is real in our lives, and God is speaking a fresh word of hope in our midst. Uh, So a couple of questions for us to consider. First, uh, where do you feel barren? Where in your life do you feel empty, feel lost, feel broken, feel heartache? And then in the midst of that, I wonder, where do you see hope? Where is God entering into the barrenness? Where is God entering into the brokenness? How is God speaking into your life? And if, if this morning you just simply can't see it, I simply ask you to look around you because hope is sitting next to you the resurrected Christ, the Spirit of God indwelling the person next to you. And sometimes what we need more than anything is another human being, one who bears the image of God, one who carries the Spirit of God to speak into our lives a word of hope, a word of healing, a word that it's going to be okay, that we're going to make it, because incarnation is amongst us. Jesus is amongst us, and with us, and for us. Next slide. Uh, I believe that our lives are not destined to be barren. The experience of barrenness is always preparing us for God to break in in unexpected and surprising ways with a word of hope. And I think that the only question is, are, are we open to the unexpected? and surprising ways of God and what he might be doing, what he might be speaking into our lives. Uh, Are we open to those things? And then this, the world is not barren of hope but pregnant with divine possibility. I believe if we simply open our eyes and recognize God's presence all around us, we will recognize the divine possibility all around us that God is inviting us into, that that it is ready to give birth to something beautiful and magnificent that God wants to do in our lives. Um, This morning, as we come and partake of the bread and the cup, I want to invite you to wrestle with uh, the barren places in your life. And as you come and take the bread and dip it in the cup, simply ask God, help me to see hope. Speak a new word of hope. Because it is what we celebrate here this physical, tangible reality of the bread and the cup, Christ's body broken for us, Christ's blood shed for us. This brings hope. Jesus came into the world and in this season, we, we celebrate the incarnation, the gift of God among us, God with us. And this God, what, what does God look like? God became flesh and blood and died on a cross for the sake of the world. And when we come and take the bread and dip it in the cup, that, that is a sign of hope that we trust this God this Christ, that he not only died for us, but he rose again. And that he not only rose again, but he will come again. That's, that's part of our advent, part of our longing, part of our anticipation is the longing for the return of this Christ child who will come to make all things new in our midst. So uh, as the band comes, I, I want to pray together what we uh, prayed at the beginning. Let's pray this together. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Ransom the lost places, the barren places, the broken places, the hurt spaces within us. Meet us in our places of exile. Meet us in our places of depression and despair. Come to us in our grief. Speak to our deepest longings and give us a word of hope. God, we are so grateful that you are present to us. God, I pray for each person here wherever we find ourselves this morning. Whether in a season of life that feels really good and beautiful or or a season of hurt and anguish. God, I pray that you will open us up and wake us up more and more to the divine possibility all around us. And God, we long for you this morning to speak a fresh word of hope into our lives. Come, Lord Jesus, and speak into our lives. And may we be bearers of that message of hope to the world. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen.